This is the Oanda Podcast. Brought to you by Jazz FM's Business Breakfast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast with me, Johnny Hart. Each week, we look back at the week's markets and business news with Oanda Senior Market Analysts. And this week, from London, we have Craig Earlham and Ed Moyer is in New York. We closed the week in London, not too far away from where we started, 5,787. That's 158 points higher on the day. And there's been a bit of optimism in the air, Ed. And is that because of this encouraging news about some clinical trials in the United States? Yes, it, many investors are becoming optimistic that a treatment for the coronavirus is nearing. Uh, Gilead Science had uh, very positive results yesterday when uh, the University of Chicago Medicine had a larger sample size that had most of the patients uh, have rapid recoveries in fever and in respiratory symptoms. So this has kind of been uh, something that everyone has been waiting for. Will we see a major breakthrough in in treatments as far as battling COVID-19? There's several trials out there right now. Uh, This one, though, brought a lot of attention because the sample size was one of the larger one. So there's a cautious optimism that we are getting closer to uh, treatment for the coronavirus. And if that happens, that will definitely um, alleviate a lot of concerns as far as when we could start to see uh, things uh, return to normal. We have been here before, haven't we, with some good positive news coming out of some labs that they may have found uh, certainly a treatment, if not a cure. Craig, are you a little bit cynical about some of these reports? Not necessarily cynical. Uh, I mean, I think any of these reports are encouraging. There are a, a large number of firms now working on a cure. And I think one of the good things about this one in particular, and one of the things that's got people so excited is that this is a drug that already exists. So it, it's kind of like a leap forward compared to what we've seen previously. So that gives increased optimism on top of the fact that a large sample, as I'd already alluded to, did actually recover quite rapidly. So that is extremely encouraging. But we are still not that close to uh, a point where this can actually be used. This is just a sign that we are heading in the right direction. And I think markets are just desperately looking for something to be positive about at this moment in time. This week, we've had a lot of negative news, whether that is uh, the IMF warning about the worst recession in a century, whether it's the OBR here in the UK warning about a 35% contraction, China overnight releasing GDP figures saying the economy contracted by 6.8% in the first quarter. This is the week ending on a far more positive note between this and the potential for easing lockdown measures in the US. Trump announced yesterday the exit strategy. These things combined seem to have just given us a nice little boost at the end of the week. The strange thing about that uh, Office for Budget Responsibility report was that, yes, they predicted a 35% contraction, but said we'd come back fighting in 2021. And, And this forecast from the IMF, they say that the dire economic forecast may be far too optimistic anyway. People try too much to cling on to these forecasts like they're a science, like this is what's going to happen. And if it's 36%, then you've got your forecast wrong. I feel like we've lived through that for the last five years, thought this... Uh, all of the Brexit um, things that we've been discussing, everyone's latched onto the specifics of the forecast. They're not there to be entirely accurate. They're there to give a guide. And what they're saying is, at this moment in time, it looks as though we are heading for 35% contraction in the second quarter. This could be more because the lockdown may last longer than we think. At the moment, it's been extended by another three weeks. If that's extended again by another three weeks, I imagine that forecast will be changed and changed again. Uh, but the bounce back that they're, rely- that they're relying on is is 
is heavily reliant on uh, a number of factors, one of which is on, it is going to be that unemployment doesn't stay and too high, that a lot of the numbers that we see is actually this furlough scheme and that small and medium-sized businesses are able to continue because of these various government schemes. And then when things start to open again, people will have cash in their pockets to spend. But that's a lot of ifs and there's, there's a lot that can change in that time. And then it also comes back to as well the type of recovery we're going to see, which I'm sure Ed will add to again in terms of we've been talking so much about we're going for a V-shaped recovery. We fall hard and then we rebound strongly. Then people talk about maybe it's a U-shaped recovery, so we flatline for a little bit before we start to return. And then the L-shaped recovery, the exaggerated, we never bounce back. Although, according to your president, Mr. Trump, Ed, uh, you know, good times are ahead. I mean, some of his press conferences over the last few days have been nothing short of extraordinary, particularly that spat he had with the lady from uh, CBS. But he is, of course, playing up the economy and sort of playing up the recovery as much as possible. Very much so. Uh, the, the president is focused on a, a few uh, objectives. Uh, he wants to make sure that he's able to deliver a stronger stock market. He wants to bring the economy back to normal and uh, he wants to have a rolling reopening strategy which will help alleviate a lot of this economic pain that we're currently uh, seeing across the board and uh, his hopes is that uh, his strategy will help him get reelected. I think when we take a look at the trajectory as far as um, U.S. equities you know this amazing v-shaped recovery which you know for the most part uh, most of the economists and experts were expecting uh, this to be a short-lived rally because there's just un underlying conditions that will see permanent damage to the economy. There are certain sectors that will not recover. We won't see a return of normalcy in, in, in several parts of the economy. And when we take a look at this rally, uh, small caps have underperformed. If, if this were to be a true V-shaped recovery, we would start to see the small caps and the banks uh, really uh, outperform. So I, I think there's a lot of uh, skepticism growing as far is how far this rebound can continue as you keep getting these like positive news events the gilead's trials if it's the uh possible reopening of uh, the Midwest and the U.S. by May, uh, I, I think there's still uh, a, a tremendous amount of economic pain that is going to be happened. And you're going to see that the U.S. consumer is not going to recover completely by any means by the end of the year or possibly uh, deep into next year. So so there's a, a tremendous amount of concern that you're going to, to see a very difficult market to navigate because you're going to have uh, certain sectors that are completely decimated and you're going to probably continue to see a much delayed uh, rolling strategy as far as uh, the, the rest of the major metropolitan cities opening up in the U.S. If you have the, the New Yorks and the Californias uh, not really uh, coming back to normal anytime soon, you're going to definitely see that reflected on risky asset prices. So I, I think you're going to have a lot of uh, investors remain uh, uh, skeptical um, going into uh, these next couple of weeks, which are still going to be critical in the trajectory of the virus. We still are, uh, there is optimism that the virus is uh, plateauing and, and we're still nowhere near the clear. Um, you're, you're seeing reinfection concerns happen in Asia. And if you're in the U.S., I think most people will agree that you're not having a strong optimism that uh, this virus will completely go away. I think social distancing, while it has been 
heavily ingrained in everyone's minds. I personally have seen key areas where uh, the, the few times that I do go outside where it's not being completely uh, practiced. So there's concerns that you're not going to see uh, these dense uh, cities um, have uh, uh, any return of normalcy any, anytime soon. And these guidelines that the president um, un unveiled yesterday are going to put the decision in the governor's hands. And I think you won't see uh, a lot of the bigger cities um, open up anytime soon. And it's tough to, to remain um, aggressively optimistic in this equity rebound uh, until that is the case. Especially with so much uncertainty as far as the uh, virus is concerned, because there's so many unknowns. We don't even know whether it's possible that many people could catch it twice. Uh, Tuesday, Ed, marked the start of what's certainly going to be an uncertain earning season, the first to show the early impact of the pandemic on corporations. How much information do you think we're going to get out of this uh, earnings season? If you're a large corporation, this earnings season is going to be fairly easy. You're going to withdraw your guidance. <laughs> uh, you're going to downgrade your longer term goals and, and you're, you're just going to uh, try to uh, remain uh, responsible in your capital expenditures. I, I think that you're probably going to continue to see a much more cautious tone across the board. It's very fitting that, you know, every time we go through earnings season, what happens? You have the banks kick things off. Pretty eye-opening to see just the amount of concern as far as loan defaults, uh, credit card delays and payments that are heavily anticipated across the board. And, and this is going to probably continue to weigh on the economy. So I think you're probably going to continue to see corporate America remain very skeptical. For people who are optimistic that the bottom is in place, I think next week is going to be extremely key because you're going to start to see results from some of the tech giants. For the major U.S. indices to continue to rally, a lot of times it's really heavily weighted on tech. I think many are still on the sidelines and uh, you're, you're going to see uh, everyone that might not necessarily pay as much attention to the actual earning reports, but to the, the price action that we see uh, in the broader indices. One thing I would say, I guess, is that it has been interesting throughout this entire crisis that there has been a strong sell the rumor by the fact in this case. Um, uncertainty has caused mass panic. Uh, warnings from various organizations, including the IMF this week, have triggered sell-offs, but data hasn't. And it'll be interesting to see if that holds up during earnings season, because it's all well and good saying that an economy is contracting and has contracted, for example, in China by 6.8%, but nothing typically gets investors' attentions quite like the bottom line, uh, which is what companies are reporting and what they expect to report over the coming quarters. That could potentially jolt markets, but it has been interesting that the actual data that we've seen so far has had such a little impact, you wonder whether investors are going to be willing to give the same free pass to earnings season as it develops. So we began the week with most of the focus on oil. That was because of the OPEC plus deal to cut production. But Craig, did it have much effect really on the price of oil? No, not really. I mean, not a positive one anyway. Uh, so this was the largest ever output cut on record. It was huge. I mean, it is a huge cut. It's 9.7 million barrels a day. And then obviously there's others uh, on top, uh, which is likely to come from the US sector, which will be conducted in a slightly different free market kind of fashion. There's uh, reports that there may be a case where Donald Trump's effectively subsidizing companies to produce less, uh, so act as an incentive, uh, so doing things in a slightly different manner. But the deal itself is far smaller than what the markets were demanding and what is deemed necessary. When you think that the demand destruction, which has been caused by the coronavirus, 
is estimated to be more like 20 to 30 million barrels a day, I think, I believe, at most recent estimates, then this just seems completely insignificant in a market that was already imbalanced. So, yeah, I think the market responded as you'd expect, which is quite negatively. Now, obviously, things might change over the coming weeks. So you look at US oil production uh, one month ago, and it was 13.1 million barrels a day. Now it's down to 12.3 already. So the market forces are having an impact, regardless of whether they are uh, directly part of this deal or not. But we're going to need to see a lot more than that to, to see that it is going to have an effect. So what we may see is rather than a sharp rebound on oil prices, on the back of a deal, which we may have seen in the past during these uh, output cut agreements, it may just be a more gradual climb once traders start to see the actual impact of these low oil prices have on producers, has on output, has on uh, exploration. And as we gradually see those numbers start to form some kind of balance again, then we could see that rebound. But in the short term, that's not going to happen that quickly. And even if you look at the two near contracts that we're seeing at the moment on WTI, the May contract and the June contract, the May contract today is down 8% at $18 a barrel. The June contract's uh, down only 1% at $25 a barrel. That's due to the fact that we are in an extremely flooded market right now. The fact that the uh, facilities uh, to store uh, this crude uh, are nearing capacity. So in the very near term, Oil is trading at a significant discount because it's being produced fast. This would suggest, uh, I would argue, that people do expect production to decline over the course of the next month quite dramatically. But if the numbers don't follow that, then I think you'll start to see other prices start to follow suit more like this kind of May contract that we're seeing now. Voluntary cuts are going to happen. Uh, as Craig mentioned, uh, we're running out of space to store this all this excess of oil. And what's going to happen is you're going to see uh, more of the oil giants have to come out and say, we're going to reduce production. This week we had ConocoPhillips announce uh, over 200,000 barrels uh, per day in cuts. It's not going to surprise anyone that this is going to be the theme, I think, going forward. Uh, and, and you're probably going to start to see uh, investors become a little bit more constructive as far as having more of a trading range for oil prices. I think uh, the OPEC plus pact, while it, you, you, if you look at the end of the week, well, what has oil done? It really hasn't done much, but um, I think it did stave off that um, crash to single digits. I think we are possibly seeing uh, some optimism here that lower production across the board throughout the world. And uh, if we do have certain parts of the economy, whether it's in the US and Europe that are slowly opening, um, that should help relieve uh, some of that demand destruction that's been in place uh, since this virus took over. Okay, so that's the last few days. What about the week ahead, Craig? What should we be looking out for? Well, I think as I'd alluded to earlier, so there's no point in adding to earnings season is obviously going to be key for the next few weeks. I think it's going to be huge, actually. I think the markets have rallied quite strongly. And the fact that we initially started to see that pullback on the first day of earnings season, I don't think was any coincidence. At that point, we'd also seen the Dow had made up 50% of its entire decline um, since the start of all of this kicked off. So I think that's not a coincidence either. So I think that is going to be absolutely crucial. I think data is taking a much big, much more of a back seat right now. So I don't expect that to play a great role. We've got the PMIs on Thursday uh, across Europe and the US, the manufacturing and services PMIs. That could be a, a noteworthy point in UK retail sales on Friday. But broadly speaking, uh, I just think this next week is going to be about coronavirus, potential for a cure, uh, the reopening of the economies uh, around the world. We've already seen it in parts of uh, Italy and Spain, for example. 
and maybe, maybe these PMI figures, but I think that's about it. I think really we are looking at the other things and they are going to be the key driving forces once again. And of course, oil prices will see uh, a lot more oil data and given how volatile they've been recently, I think the data that we see from uh, uh, as far as oil is concerned is going to be also quite interesting. And finally, Ed, you know, this optimism from the top guy from President Trump, I mean, is that actually seeping through to markets? Are they buying this? So, I mean, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? And uh, perhaps if we are as optimistic as we can be, things might get better. I think everyone believes that the president will follow the advice of health experts. And I think that what the president is able to do is just kind of advance some of these expectations. So if everyone in the medical community is suggesting possibly by the end of the summer we'll see larger parts of the economy reopen. The president's pushing for that to be a month or two earlier. His efforts are somewhat, yes, having a little bit of an impact, but I think in the end uh, no one is doubting that we won't see the economy uh, reopened until scientific data behind it, and that has to be in the trajectory of the new cases and the death toll and until we start to see uh, that progress or hopefully if we have uh, more breakthroughs on clinical trials um you know i, I think there's going to be um, a lot of skepticism as far as when people will get back to work and and you know as these economies are shuttered down uh, i think you're going to continue to see all that economic pain that craig highlighted next week the expectations though are going to be still central banks are going to be very active the fiscal response in the u.s is just going to continue to grow you're going to see uh, all the stimulus try to support risky assets in the short term and uh, eventually uh, another story will grow when you know this becomes a new bubble but for now uh, it, it seems that this is going to provide some support for global equities okay ed moyer in new york craig Erlim in london thanks for joining us today have a good weekend have a great Thank weekend everyone From the team behind Jazz FM's Business Breakfast, a daily early morning 30-minute briefing for the day ahead. On air from 6am. Listen to Jazz FM on DAB, online or just ask Alexa.